Hi, and welcome to Bread. This latest talk is by our friend, Ines Velasquez McBride. She's the founder and co-pastor of The Church We Hope For in Pasadena, California. Ines is a prophetic preacher inviting us to live into the love, life, and justice of God's kingdom, enabled by His Spirit. Take a listen. Buenos dias, church. I don't know who's running the sound, but I'm Nicaraguan, so <laughs> watch out this morning. My name is Inez Velasquez McBride, and I am the co-lead pastor and founder of the church we hope for in Pasadena, California. So my heart is uh, moved, and I have, a, I have a special place in my heart for new church plants and younger church plants. So blessings upon all of you pastors and upon all of you church familia because i know how hard it is to start something from scratch the church we hope for is a beloved community moved by the spirit to follow the life love and justicia of jesus and we started thank you and we started he he knows the assignment he showed up to nicaraguan church this morning and i'd like for all of you to know that you are in nicaraguan church this morning i need your amens your hallelujahs and if you can't say hallelujah you can say ouch Okay, because sometimes the word cuts as well. But we are a church that started in January of 2020. Oh, ouch. And then March of 2020, the global pandemic started. So we're a newer church. And like I said, we're a beloved community, a multi-ethnic community in the heart of Pasadena. And we have people from everywhere that come to Pasadena. So it is my joy to have the honor of uh, you sharing your pulpit, because we know that the pulpit comes with privilege, right? And so it is an honor to preach this morning, but we're going to have a conversation as well. And I bring greetings from our church, uh, as it is in the tradition of the Nicaraguan church. When we come visit another church, we say we bring greetings from our church to the saints. To all the saints and, the, the saints and sinners from our church, send greetings to the saints and sinners here too as well. Um, and I have a friend with me, Paula. Paula Sampang, we just like to stand and say hello. We do this in the Nicaraguan church as well. We like embarrass everybody. Uh, she is a student at Fuller Seminary, a member of our congregation, and she's called to pastoral ministry. So she is accompanying with me this morning. I know that you all have been in a sermon series called Callings, right, for a few weeks, and that we're right in the middle of a, another sermon series that's about to start in the book of Romans. So I'm so excited to be caught right here in between, uh, between Callings and the book of Romans. I'm excited about that. Last week, uh, you all heard about Jesus having a prophetic calling, and you're about to start headed into Romans, which is a prophetic book as well that was written by the Apostle Paul and carried to Rome by a woman. Hallelujah. So Phoebe took that letter to Rome, and Phoebe um, was not only the carrier of those words, but the reader of those words, the interpreter of those words. And it gives me great joy then to today to bring a word from another courageous woman in the biblical history, the Canaanite mother in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. I love the Canaanite mother. I've been talking to her because I like to talk to dead women in the Bible. I just chat with them. I have coffee with them. I say, tell me what you see. Tell me how you feel. Tell me a little something about this story. And I like to talk to the Canaanite mother, and I bring her to you today uh, with great joy, 
with holy expectation and hope-filled anticipation that she has a prophetic word for us today. So, Paula, if you can come this morning and uh, read from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Read with me. Jesus left to that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. God, our Father and God, our Mother, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of Sarah and Hagar, Rebecca and Leah and Rachel, we come before you with great expectation that you have a word of mercy for us today. Thank you that in your great mercy you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Thank you that in your heart you sent the one who is the author and the dispenser of mercy. Jesus, your name is above all names up in this place today. Your name is above my name. Your name is above every other name. You, you come before all things. You are above all things. And you, in you, all things hold together. And so, Jesus, I need the power of your cross to preach this sermon today, for it would not be possible without your grace, and without your cross, and without your mercy. Holy Spirit, I ask that you be the spirit of truth this morning. I'm not the teacher, you are. And so I ask that you be the spirit of truth that leads us into all truth, and that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, Jesus. For you are my rock, and you are my strength, and you are my redeemer. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. We read this story, and I know that there's some parts of the story that kind of make us uncomfortable. Welcome. Welcome this morning to church. It makes me uncomfortable. I wrote a paper about this story in seminary, and I was left with even more questions and more discomfort. And so I hope that we all just join in and are uncomfortable together. But when I read this story, I see the courage of a Canaanite mother in the story. And this is also what I see, that the kingdom of heaven is like an immigrant mother who crosses the border seeking mercy for her demonized daughter. She is a dreamer. 
She dreams of a future without demons for her daughter. And that's why she's a dreamer. She is the first woman to speak in the Gospel of Matthew, but not the first woman to have faith in the country of Canaan in the book of Matthew. She stands in the tradition of the five mothers of the faith, those five scandalous women in Matthew 1, in the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus has some scandalous blood in that genealogy. Two of those women are also Canaanites, Tamar, Tamar, and Rab. Tamar and Rahab are also Canaanites. She's walking in the tradition of some ancestral mothers that have had faith and who also in their actions and their faith and their boldness secured the coming of Jesus. Amen? She dares to have the courage to cross the border of historical injustices and come towards Jesus. It takes great courage to be who she is and to dare come and address a rabbi. Being the woman that she is, it takes great courage. And I see four things, four aspects, four practices, four rhythms of her courage that I hope inform our courage, our courage today. The first thing that she does is she says, Jesus, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. She presents her request, and the first thing that she affirms is that she believes in the identity and the authority of Jesus. She has heard about his person. She has heard about his power. She has heard that he has authority over demon and disease. She wakes up that morning, and I don't know how long she's been hearing about Jesus. Somebody told her that he was nearby, near the border. She woke up that morning and maybe told her partner or maybe told uh, her mom, her neighbor, her abuelita, her auntie, somebody, take care of my daughter. I'm going to leave, and I'll be right back. I'll come back later today. She probably had to place her daughter in someone's care because if you are a demonized daughter, you might have thrown yourself into the fire, you might have thrown yourself against the wall, you might have cut yourself, you were a high-risk person. And she has had to fight for her daughter to stay alive. And so she is bold and brave and courageous to leave her daughter and go find her some mercy. Maybe this is her last chance stop. Maybe she's been looking for mercy. Maybe she knows a little bit that Yahweh has said that in Jesus, a Messiah will come one day, the long-awaited one, the long-anointed one, to dispense some mercy. And she dares to believe that there's some mercy there for her and for her heir and for her generations. So the first thing that she does is she believes in the identity and the authority of Jesus. She binds her courage to Christ. She binds her courage to him in spite of the hostilities between the peoples. She is dreaming of a future for her daughter that is not just for her, but for her generations. Just like I dream of a future without racism, just like I dream 
with a future of a future without sexism, especially in the church. Just like I dream of a future without homophobia. Just like I dream of a future without human trafficking. Just like I dream, or maybe we dream, of a future without addiction to gun violence. And on and on we go. So she walks in the tradition of these ancestral mothers of the faith. She is crossing the border of Tyre and Sidon. And we see that there's courage in the margins. We see that there's courage in the borderlands. We see that there's courage in that in-between place where no sabes si eres ni de aquí ni de allá. You don't know if you're from here or from there. We find courage in that place, and she, she is a prophetic disruptor who is rewriting history. The second thing that she does, which is courageous, and it is an act of worship, and it is an act of dignity, is she asks for what she needs. She asks for what she needs. Now that is really hard to do on a personal level, I don't know about you, but also on a collective level. Something as simple as, I need to tell my husband, can you help me with the dishes this week? To ask for what you need. Listen, church. But to ask for what she needs, this woman, this particular woman, who's having to say, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. Why is it hard to ask for what she needs? But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. The disciples saw her body, but do you think they saw her humanity? The disciples saw a woman, but did, did you, do you think that they saw her need for mercy? She clearly says, have mercy, I know who you are, I know you got mercy, and I ain't leaving here without it. And the disciples say, send her away? Just send her away. Like the author and the architect and the arbiter of justice and mercy is here, but they want to send her away. Does that make, that don't make no sense to me, right? They saw her body but they did not see her humanity. They did not see her humanity because she has a whole history painted on her skin. She doesn't just show up as herself. She doesn't just show up as a mother from Canaan who happens to be crossing the border. She brings a whole history. It takes courage to learn someone else's history. She, I don't just show up as myself here. I show up as soy la hija de Ali Velasquez, a, a granddaughter of uh, Sara Velasquez in Nicaragua. I'm very grounded in the soil of my humanity, my brown soil from back home in Nicaragua. And all those things can count against me when I walk into a room. They saw her body, but they not see her humanity. Canaan is considered an enemy territory. Israel's victory meant Canaan's defeat. And we have someone who dares to cross the invisible walls of this conversation because the social fabric of this encounter between the two of the most polarized bodies in all of Jerusalem, this social fabric is tainted with violence. 
She dares to cross the border of historical hostilities in an act of great courage when she says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And the disciples show their true colors. Now, this is a really uncomfortable part of the story. That's why I love it so much. Because <laughs> Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. That's what, that's what they say. Um, I don't know about you, but they're just being kind of a jerk right now to a woman in need, to a mother in need, to someone who needs access to healing. This enemy territory, historically, just has no hope for healing, maybe. But if Jesus heals her of this demon, does that mean that he can heal inherited hate? If Jesus heals her daughter of this demon, can he heal hostilities among enemies? It takes courage to learn somebody else's story. And I encourage every one of you to sign up for the Racial Reconciliation 1.0 workshop. I don't work for Fellowship Monrovia, but John Williams is my friend, and I often teach. I'm one of the facilitators. Um, our church partners has been partnering with him for the past six years. It takes courage to unpack Canaan's history. It takes courage to unpack black history. By the way, it's Black History Month this month, but also every month of the year. It takes courage to unpack Hispanic Heritage Month history. It takes courage for me, who moved here from Arkansas, to go back home to a state that has banned the word Latinx, who I am, from that state. It takes courage to know why it's a threat to ban that name. It takes courage to come to this text and say, why does this text make me uncomfortable? Because this text is giving us aspects of Israel's history that it's not pretty. And I'm not going to sanitize Jesus for you. And I'm not going to sanitize the Bible for you. And I'm not going to sanitize parts of history that we're uncomfortable with just because we want it to go away. Because I believe what Jesus is doing here is he's revealing the wound in order to heal the wound. This passage here is not prescriptive of how we should ought to talk about one another, but it is descriptive of what was happening in the time between Canaan and Israel's uh, socio-political relationships. It's a word for us today, church. It's a word for us today. Please go to those four classes, the Racial Rec 1.0. I didn't know that y'all were doing that until I saw it this morning. It takes courage to unpack. You can't heal the wound if you don't reveal the wound. And this is the wound what we see, that we see right here. It's not pretty. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Do you see what he, she is doing here? She kneels a second time in a peaceful and respectful protest, in an act of self-dignity, in an act of her taking up space, saying, no, Lord, help me. I am telling you a second time, 
what I need. I know that you are Lord. I know that you have authority over demons and disease. She is courageous, y'all, to say, this is what I need. I'm not leaving here without my mercy. I'm reclaiming my mercy. The third thing that she does is she risks rejection. She, it, it, it takes great courage for a person of color, for a woman of color, to come before a system and a narrative and a story where you have to overcompensate to ask for what you need, just basic dignity, just basic dignity. I know it because I've lived in this body for a few decades. I won't tell you how many. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> it takes great courage for her to take up space. And I want you to see and note how courageous it is for her to take up space. She risks rejection because of the historical hostilities between those people groups. It is not pretty. And we're not going to erase the history here. We can't if we're aiming for healing. We can't if we're imagining a new way. The Spirit is inviting us to go back into our individual stories and heal, and also go back into our histories and heal, and reimagine a new way forward. So receive the courage of this Canaanite mother to believe in the identity, authority of Jesus, to bind your courage to Christ, to ask for what you need, and third, to even risk rejection. The fourth thing is she stands in solidarity. She places her body because it's not just about her individual needs. It is about her daughters. And it takes courage when we do so as an act of justice as well. How do we stand in solidarity for each other? How do we stand in solidarity in this country or in this state or in our city? We ask those kind of questions in our church all the time because we have asked the Holy Spirit to move us so that we can live into the life, love, and justicia of Jesus. So what does standing in solidarity look like? She says, Lord, help me. Jesus answers, according to the gospel writer, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Ouch. I don't know why Jesus says this. I'm going to leave you there with your questions, because my MDiv didn't help me with this question either. <laughs> but she says, yes, Lord. She a third time speaks, takes up space as an act of self-worth and dignity. And she says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. There used to be a king in Israel that um, would use, would, would have servants from Canaan and he would let the crumbs, actually like little crumbs, fall off of the table and would give the Canaanites to eat off of those crumbs. She knows about that history. She is saying, yeah, I know that this has happened historically. Yeah, I know that this has happened. We have to excavate this, this part of the story. Yeah, I know we got bad blood, Jesus, between your people and my people, my people and your people. We have this us and them narrative instead of a we and our narrative. I know. I know who I am. 
I know who you are. I'm still not leaving without my mercy. In Spanish, we would say that she's kind of necia. Necia, she's like, necia, like nagging. She is not going to leave, okay? She is a lioness mother. If Jesus is, a, is the lion of the tribe of Judah, she is the lioness of the tribe of Judah, okay? She knows where she stands, and she knows that Jesus is doing a new thing, that the kingdom is doing a new thing, that the kingdom is for all people and all means all, including her, including her. And it takes great courage. So she, she throws back, you know, she puts Jesus in his place. Does that make you uncomfortable or hopeful? She puts Jesus in his place and says, yeah, I know the history that you're referring to. See, this is an internal house conversation. This is the internal parts of our stories that we don't like to talk about. Paula, for example, I know that her family's heritage is from the Philippines. I cannot erase the fact that Spain colonized the Philippines. We can't erase that fact. I cannot erase the fact that in Nicaragua, there's anti-blackness, even within our communities, even within our brown communities. I can't erase that fact. We have to go find these, these crumbs of history that leave a bad taste in your mouth and have Jesus and say, have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy on this. How will you heal us? This is where we've been, but we don't have to stay there. We have to move forward. But how will we move forward is the question. How will we move forward? What is the invitation that the Holy Spirit is asking you today when it comes to courage and when it comes with these uncomfortable conversations? See, I know women of color like my abuelita that she was giving crumbs all her life. There's something about abuelitas and tias, though, who put their faith in Jesus. Oh, my, my abuelita would have been here singing. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. When that's all the foundation they had, when that's all the crumbs that she was given, Oh, I know some tias and some abuelitas that make a feast out of crumbs. Do you know those? Do you have those in your family? Those women especially that they make something out of nothing? I know those women. I was raised by those women. I was taught to, to pray by those women. I saw how uh, grandchildren were fed with just a little bit. And they put their faith in the only one that could rescue them. And somehow the food multiplied. I know because I'm an uh, orphan of a mother. I don't have a mother. And my, my grandmother raised me. I've seen that strong faith like this Canaanite mother in my own personal life and also in freedom daughters that were seeking freedom for all generations. Yeah, Jesus. I know who you are. I know how your people have treated me. But Jesus answered her after three times of insisting. Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. She gets the last word in the story. She gets the last word of mercy in the story. Her insistent and insistence and her persistence get the last word in the story. And her faith gets the last word. And Jesus praises her. 
It is in an uncomfortable situation. They work through it, and then Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. You know who got to hear that? The disciples. The disciples that were about to send her away just said, wait, what? Great is her faith? Her faith, like from those people? Her faith? Let it be done for you as you wish. Not only does Jesus validate her and affirm her faith, then he says, I'll give you what you want. And I'll give you what you need. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. There is so much hope and healing in the story. And we have eyes to see hope and healing in this uncomfortable story. There is courage and courageous rhythms in a woman, a foreign woman, an immigrant woman who dares to cross the border and believe in the identity and authority of Jesus, who dares to ask for what she needs, who risks rejection, who stands in solidarity with her people and her daughter. She is resilient. What is the invitation for you here? What is the invitation that the Holy Spirit is inviting you in, in this story? Which character do you connect with the most? Which parts of the story make you a little bit uncomfortable? Lean in there. Lean into there. Don't be afraid. Lean into there. What is the hope that the church needs in North America? What is the healing, the specific and particular healing. This is a story that's situated in a particular people of a particular place with specific problems. And I believe that the Jesus in the story is still the Jesus that can heal hostilities among enemies. I believe that Jesus can still heal physical disease. I believe that Jesus can still heal Hostilities between family members. I believe that Jesus can still heal between people groups. But it's going to take some work to reveal the wound in order to heal the wound. Because you can't heal what you don't reveal. This is why I go to therapy as a pastor. Every other week I sit in front of someone that can, and I pay her to tell me the truth about myself. And I hope for healing. This is both a personal word for you, hope for healing, and this is also a collective word for the church, hope for healing. And my invitation to you this morning is that you would sit, especially with the places that feel uncomfortable, especially with the places that feel like there's a little friction there, especially with the places that have a little spark, and let the Canaanite mother and immigrant woman be your teacher. Let me pray for us this morning, and I know that you all follow the Holy Spirit as, as we pray and as we sit and as we listen. I invite you to do the same thing that you do every Sunday, to pray and sit and listen. Have mercy on us, Jesus, Son of David. We are tormented by many things this morning. We came in with wounds perhaps, perhaps from childhood. We came in 
with weight from the week at work. We came in with racing thoughts and anxieties and doubts and confusion and imposter syndrome and anxiety of who we are and do we belong here. We came in with family members and friends who are in pain, who are suffering disease, broken relationships, questions about who you are and where are you in this mess. And so, Jesus, I ask that in your great mercy that you would dispense some of that this morning, today. That in your great mercy, you are still the Jesus that heals our wounds, both personal and collective. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the prophetic voices like the Canaanite mother who asks for what she needs. God, I don't know who this, who this morning needs to ask for what they need. At work, at home, in their friendships. God, the biggest thing, the hardest thing to do is to ask for help and say, I am in need. Whatever that is, God. So, Jesus, I pray that this church would be a merciful church. That this church would dispense, just like their name says, the bread of mercy. Because faith without works is dead, and so is faith without mercy. And so, Jesus, dispense your mercy this morning, this evening, this week. And my sisters and brothers and siblings in this place, may they not only receive the mercy that they need for the named things and the unnamed things today, their prayer requests, their broken hearts, and also their joyful hearts. May they be carriers of your mercy, fighters of your mercy, dispensers of your mercy. Have mercy on us, Jesus, Son of David. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.